The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. So much of the scriptures is about parables of what telling us the examples of how we are to look at the world and have a worldview. The problem we have today in in all our cultures is there's no looking at things from a biblical worldview or scriptural or the Holy Word of God view. It's Jesus who gave us a parable of casting seeds on stone or in thistle, or on good ground, or in different places, according to the soil type. And of course, he goes on with the parable, says, which of them grows the most and the least? And so it is, we have a whole culture that we've sown seeds on bad ground. We go to the cities, we invest in them, we put everything there on what they do and build up, And all we have is is weeds growing up between the cracks of the sidewalk. Nothing even sprouts there. And so what direction do we walk? We have so many people calling us now for the last couple of several years, but even more now intensely, because they feel something 
through prayer, but those who aren't praying also feel something. The difference in the two is that the one who feels something through prayer knows they need to make some changes. They don't need to depend on the way that we've walked and what we've been doing. The other who feels something's wrong and it's detectable in them and they believe it is wondering how to fix what's here, the system. We've got to realize the system will not survive what faces it because it is under condemnation. And therefore, we need to be looking for ways out of this situation. How do we exit? What are the exits? What is available for us? How do we walk toward that? It's critical that you find that answer. And it's why our lady first came here in Medjugorje, or here too. We say here's the same because what she's done here. To pray. Pray and have faith in God. Put complete trust in God. She just told us on March 18th. And yet we put our faith in the government, the next election. They're, they're partners in what could happen or not happen, but they don't lead. What we need today is leadership. What we don't have today is leadership. We have a great void. And so we want to get behind somebody to be our voice. And you see this. What's taking place? People just want to be heard. And sometimes it has to be through a megaphone of someone else. But it's also signs of the time. People, I hear people talking about or reading about that people are angry. And you never can make good decisions if you're angry. That's not true. Anger motivates if it's the correct kind of anger. You have righteous anger, you have unrighteous anger. If you're blowing your temper, you're pitching a fit. You don't have the wisdom to make decisions in that moment. But if you're angry, like our forefathers were at England, and we had to revolt against them, you can channel that anger into something positive. So I get sick when I hear about people saying, well, you can't, well, there's just so much anger, there's so much anger. There's a justified reason to be angry. That reason is to motivate you to make decisions that otherwise, if you're placid and there's nothing to do or motivate you to do, then you don't act. If your boat's on the placid water, it's just like glass. You behave different in that comfort as opposed when a squall comes up and you have eight-foot waves in a bay area that can wipe you out. You're frantically working to get to the shore or strengthening everything's up, tying things down on the deck of your boat. It's a different thing. And so we're, we still are in a placid situation. We're eating, we have our cars, we have our houses, we're doing this, but we know something's up. And anger is the order of the day to motivate you if it's righteous anger or indignation. At the same time, not trying to convert those who may be unrighteous in it because we got witness to them to change them and show them the love of God. But it's a misnomer to sit there and say, well, we're just doing this out of anger. We can't do that. That's not the right. We're not thinking right. No, you're not thinking right. You have to be incited and motivated to take constructive steps for what you have to do. And so we have a situation of this lack of leadership. 
And when somebody comes along strong and people listen to that and they want to support it, it's passed off as, well, people are making that and motivated by anger. We are in a time to be angry. Jesus walked in the temple and he was angry. Jesus went to his apostles and he was indignant with them. Get away from me. Peter, you're the devil. Get behind me, you Satan. And you can go on several times. And the, how many things that we don't know about Jesus when he grew angry? The poor man God talks about, he looked over the crowd and he grew angry because he was reading their hearts. So we're not at fault for this. And I tell you, there are things that make me angry in our culture. Things about making bathrooms in Charlotte, North Carolina, that anybody can go into the one whichever they prefer, what they think they are. I'm angry about that. And I tell you, if I was up there and as a father and my daughter was there and a man goes in the bathroom because he said he has a right to do that, then something's going to get physical. And there's times that that warrants. You say, oh, you're talking physical violence? Yes, I am. Jesus got physical in the temple. And there's nobody today, if they saw that scene, that would say, hey, this is physical violence. He took other people's property, their money, and turned it upside down. And he beat them out of the temple. T-H-E-M. That's what the scripture says. Yes, he was talking about animals. But he didn't say the animals. He said he beat them out of the temple. We don't know who the real Jesus is. Yes, he's love, but he's not a hushy-cushy love. He's manly, and he's strong. And if he had to stand up for something that was going to cost him his peace outside of his own heart, because he was peace, and was being in a peaceful environment, he wasn't silent. And so we have the situation existing today where we're sowing seeds in a culture and we're not getting anything propagating and growing. And so we have those who know something's coming that's not praying and those who know something that's coming and are praying. And they're seeking community. They're seeking to change their finances. They're seeking to get their house and their land. While the others want their land, want the house, but still through the banking system, still through things as it is and how it works. But that's ending. And we have history to sit there and put a timetable on this. And that's our read today. Just in seeing what's happening in the economy today, it is important to revisit what a friend of Medjugorje wrote back in 2010 when he wrote, It Ain't Gonna Happen. So this is a segment from the book. In the history of the entire world, no paper currency, which was not backed by gold or silver, lasted more than 50 years. June 24th, 1968, was 42 years ago. Again, this is being written in April, May 2010. Why will the fiat system not last? Michael Moroni of Monix Metals made the statement below in 2005. Since that time, figures have gigantically exponentially increased with the stimulus funds for bailouts, not just in the United States, but other nations as well. Moroni states, 
Over the course of history, all great societies have eventually created unsustainable amounts of debt, and because of that, governments are forced to print money. And if you look at the circumstances that currently exist in the United States, you've heard about the stock bubble, you've heard about the housing bubble, but nobody's really talking about the debt bubble that exists. Our government has a published debt of $8.5 trillion, but if you add in additional liabilities such as Social Security, Medicare, pension guarantee programs, it's estimated to be upwards of $45 trillion. Then if you add in federal, state, municipalities, county, consumer, corporate, or our debt right now is close to being at the $50 trillion level. There's absolutely no way for this country to exist unless we continue to print money. It is imperative to understand that paper currencies depreciate. I think it's easily said this way, that paper money becomes worth less and worth less, and then it becomes worthless. Now, based on that premise, if we go back to what happened in the 1980s, Early 1980, we had silver that went roughly from the $2 level in the early 70s up to $50 an ounce for a 25-fold increase. Right now, what we have is the money supply increase from 1980 to right now of about seven times as much. Well, silver reached $50 an ounce when there was 1.5 billion ounces more available in the market than there is now. Now there is only approximately 771 million ounces of bullion as of April 2010. There's only $800 billion in America in cash. Again, all figures stated in 2005 and have grown exponentially. And out of that, we somehow get an 11 trillion economy. We have currently a personal debt of the United States people of about $30 trillion. There is a derivative hedge book out there of $450 trillion. We have a current account deficit of $800 billion a year. We've got a budget deficit of a loan of $600 billion, and that's not even most of it. The majority of federal spending comes in supplemental requests and off-budget things. It comes out to over a trillion dollars per year in an $11 trillion economy. How can you do that? That's the part that's so staggering to me, that people actually believe this will work out. It cannot. It never has, and it never will. The government is going to have to take on more and more debt to keep this game going. So I think deficits that appear to be high now are going materially higher, which again is good for precious metals, unquote. And so a very unique spiritual opportunity and physical opportunity exists in this particular time, possibly for a short duration of time. So we have in history that when currency is not backed by a precious metal, gold or silver, the longest it lasts is 50 years. That being wrote in 2010, six years later, means we're at year 48. 
which means in two more years will be 50 years. And you're starting to see creep up. Everybody's talking about there's going to be a real big deflation of real estate. Your house, what it's going to be worth, what everything else is worth. You're going to see a correction, just like 1929, that brings the real true value of what it is back to what it is. All 1929 was was a correction back to the true value because everything else is is inflated, exaggerated, speculative, and everybody buys a lie. I can buy this house, live in it for two years, flip it, make $50,000, buy a bigger house. This is the way they think investments. Houses are not to be that way. Houses are to be homes. Someplace that you find is your homestead, invest in it, and try to make it your circumstances that you root yourself that you die there. And get it paid for as quickly as possible. That's what I did with my home. I think that's why our lady could do what she's done with us here. Because we didn't go to the banks. We went to the way of life. I remember 18, 19 years of age thinking, the biggest thing I have to do is get a house and get it paid for. If my house is paid for, my land's paid for, I got it made. I wasn't thinking about money and how much investments I could do and all these things. My investment was a way of life. And when a lady came along, and incited this and supported it to what she was saying to her messages, I was following her without even knowing the message. Because it's written on the heart if you seek it, if you're praying. And that's why so many people that are praying know they have to get to the soil, know they have to get in the community, know they have to change their currency, the paper, now to something else. While the others are saying, fix the paper, fix the mortgages, Fix the government, which is a contradiction of what Ivan said, that you're going to see physical changes on the earth. All the telltale signs are there, and all the incentives are there when you pray. And so here it is. We got this prediction. Not we don't have a prediction. We have history prediction. It's not man's opinion. It's a study of history that you have 50 years. We got 24 months. Will it go further? Yeah, because man is much more clever. Man is much more stupider in the same sense. Think he can escape it. He just might let the balloon get bigger. He might go four more years. We don't know. But one thing we do know, it doesn't work. Frank? Yeah, it, it's really incredible how dumbed down we've become and, and how stupid we've become. And, you know, we have our, our founding fathers and our framers laying down this work to say what's going to happen if we ever allow the banking systems to take over. And one would have to ask themselves why on June 24th, 1968, or June 23rd, 1968, that our dollars said that the bear on demand is guaranteed that there's a silver dollar in the treasury for them. Why was that always the way that it was for the history of this nation until the Feast of John the Baptist on June 24th? And then we said, we're no longer going to do that. Why did we have that in place all those years? Because we had to. There has to be a basis for what a dollar is. If you have things denoted in dollars, stocks, bonds, what, where's the value of that derived? And so if there's no real value, if there's nothing holding that, then you can get into this situation of trillions where history has shown us that, that eventually it collapses because of its own weight, because of its own size, that it gets too big, it's unsustainable, 
I would argue that the whole thing was set up for collapse. And so that the few, the, the owners or, or perpetrators of the system benefit and the rest become their subjects. And so it, that situation alone is extraordinary enough to say, why would I invest in anything when I, when I, when I can't say what the real value of it is, is, is the way that it's measured or denominated in. We don't know what a dollar is, a Federal Reserve note. Or we, we could say it was and it is not. Because it was when it was 371.25 grains of silver, a dollar. And now it is not. It, it is just, it's a faith-based currency that is destined to be worth less and worth less until it's worthless. And the Bible tells us that there's going to be a collapse. In one hour, their wealth was brought to nothing. If this situation alone isn't extraordinary enough that people should, should head for the hills and, and, and buy anything that's real that you can't borrow money on, what you say about housing is true, because anything that has loans on it, it's this funny money lifting up the values. You can't borrow money on silver. Silver's the, the opposite. This funny money has suppressed its real price so that no matter how much demand comes in, they'll sell it in the paper market to give it an artificial price so people won't choose it. What our founding fathers do, if they came back to our time and said, well, well, what do you do now? How do you get it back? I'm sure they'd say, look at the price of silver. But there's something else that's even more extraordinary than that. This is the mind-boggling thing. Silver that we've always been dependent on. We've always been dependent on silver, silver miners because they produced our money. And we were dependent on them during war. And we were dependent on them to bring the silver to the treasury so that we'd buy it from the mines and issue dollars against it. And this function is ending. So when you wrote the book, I don't know when the USGS survey was exactly, but there were 17 billion ounces left in the Earth's crust. That's been at least... 10 years, maybe 15 years, and we're mining almost a, a billion ounces a year. So silver is going to become extinct. The way that we understand it, the way that we mine it, it's going to become the most rare, precious metal on Earth. It's already more rare than gold in inventories. Uh, add that as consumable. In other words, it's in all electronics. It's all in rocket missiles uh, for firing mechanisms. It's conductivity for electrical use is, is important in those specialized equipment. And, and it's endless uh, microwaves, your washing machines. So this stuff ends up in junk, so junk piles away, and it, there's it, no it, way to recover it. Yeah, and because of its nefarious artificial price, it's being consumed in an unnatural way that it's, it's disappearing, literally disappearing. So this is something that is created by God, and heaven is, is literally saying there's a way out by having the miraculous metal image on something where, where our, our greatest need is conversion, and then you know we need to do something to protect ourselves going forward. And here this metal is that was money that's always been so important that is so rare and it's going for less than the, than the, than the cost of mining. So let me it, let me make a interject a clarification yeah. point to this for what you're saying may help people out there understand even more clearer. The money supply printed that Joan just read about uh, Mahoney saying that we had 800 billion in 2010. So cash flow, I think that was the dates. But we had we had that's how much printed money we had at the time 800 billion dollars, and so they're printing that. Enlarging the economy so people can have more money, which is a facade of what's coming because money is tied to what supply 
can back, back it. In other words, the reason they made these moves in 68 was they could only print money to the amount of silver or gold that they could have to back it. So they saw that you can't have a spirit of consumerism where people could be marketing so much because they were confined into a circle binded for dollar for dollar value of silver or gold. And so when they removed that, they create a false system that can go on for 50 years, as it has done when people have done this before, and then it catches up. So you can reverse that by what Frank is saying, by you constricting your funds to whatever it is that value now, which is silver is way low now, and you put that in that, you, you're safe. Your investments, people invest in everything. Jesus talks about a seed, one little seed. You pick up a seed. Is it like a, is it a bowling ball? Is it, is it huge? No, you can put it on the tip of your fingernail, most seeds. A piece of ryegrass or centipede grass or a corn is a big seed. You know, a bunch of them in your hand. But he said in the scriptures, you sow 100 fold. Think about that. Now, above silver, what Frank was going to, and I'm going to let him complete this, but I'm going to complete this point. If you had one seed, one tomato plant seed, which has very little, tiny, you eat them all the time in your tomato, look at it, dry it out, that one little seed produces a hundredfold. And I would say even more than that in many cases. But the second level from that, you can go from a hundred tomatoes that you might have on that plant. And that goes, if a hundredfold from that goes to 10,000, that quick, from one jump, a hundredfold. Then from 10,000, a hundred of that is one million. And if you go a hundredfold from that, you go to a hundred million dollars. That quick in just four steps. So you need to be thinking what is precious, what is value. Silver is a means of exchange to buy those seeds. Seeds is the gold. Seeds is the silver. But you have to have a means to get there, to get that. And start your system. And that's what people are yearning for. Go ahead and continue what you were saying, Frank. So you have silver that's always purchased 100 times what it does today. That's the other thing is a tenth of an ounce. A denarius was a man's wage for the day. You know, now maybe 100 or or more is, is a man's wage for the day. So a tenth of an ounce would have purchased what $100 does today, for an example. And you, you had this till just a couple hundred years ago. And now you have silver not only more rare than it's ever been, but literally becoming extinct because of the way that it's mining. It would be utter foolishness to stay into investments that are denominated in dollars that we don't know what, what the value of that dollar is. They have to be in real things now. And, and silver provides an opportunity for transitionally to put it in something that's that's astronomically low, nefariously low, it really has only one direction over the long term that it can go. And so, well, what do you tell people, people? What do you tell people? Okay, I got stock. I got this. I got this land over here, just purely for investment. It's not going to use it. Or I got these things, uh, bonds or or whatever they've invested in. What is that if there's something collapses, as opposed to the other? Why would you want to be there? Well, when it comes to when it comes to stocks, bonds, savings, dollars, all these things, 
get out. I mean, you know, run away from them. Silver provides an opportunity where you could do that today. And then you can take the silver as it appreciates or it doesn't lose value at least, and then move that into land and, and these type of things that we need. A, a legacy, a future for your children, a lifestyle, the things that you've been seeing in prayer for a long time and we've been seeing since, you know, Our Lady has been showing them to us. And so those type of things, it's just a no-brainer. And then, you know, we have, we have opportunities now to do things with the fruits of our labor that will protect us for the future. And we have the other problem with the fiat money system is somebody's gaining a tremendous amount of temporal power from this and, and a tremendous amount of control. And so those things also have to be dealt with in joining communities, which is, is very clear. Everybody that's been praying and fasting, following Our Lady, should be thinking of community life to some degree. And so, th- so these are just the things that you don't want to be in those other type of investments. I mean, you really can invest in something that's going to make a tremendous difference in the future for yourself, your family, and the nation. You can reach us uh, toll-free for the Miraculous Metal Silver Round, 877-936-7686. You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com, and our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. We have the seeds that were thrown on good ground, and the group brought forth fruit, a hundredfold. The seed was the same. The soil was the same. The difference was the soil just as it is today. It's your decision. Just think. You can produce or you can lose. We wish you a lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the Metronomic Show with a friend of Mechigoria. To order this show on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000.